Hey guys, here we are, Quick and Out MMA Podcast. This is actually episode 7, and it's going to be episode 7A, because we're actually going to have a second part that we did film with Dave Caveman Rickles. Figured instead of waiting for that second one to come out, we'd go ahead and release this one now, put together the end as a final product. So I hope you enjoy. Stay tuned. Hey guys, here we are, the Quick and Out MMA Podcast, episode 7. And with me is a very special guest, someone I've known for a very long time throughout his fight journey, Dave the Caveman Rickles. How you doing, Dave? What up, brother? I'm good, man. No complaints. So it's really good to see you. Um, like I said, you know, we've been doing interviews together. I think it's going on seven or eight years. Um, so it's yeah, really exciting right. to <laughs> to kind of watch what you've done since then. So um, I kind of want to start from the beginning because I remember the first time we talked, um, you were in Bellator, and you still, like, it was right before that or during that you had four jobs. So I want you to talk a little bit about all that stuff you had to do and how different that is from where you are now. That's crazy, but yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so, you know, previous to kind of, I guess, making it in the fight game and whatnot, and I don't know, I've done a lot of entrepreneurial stuff. <clears throat> um yeah, I was working this. I, if this was this was eight years ago with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was bouncing. <laughs> I was serving tables. I was training to fight, and I don't know what else I was doing. I, I was doing something else at the time. Person training people. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I, I'm working four jobs essentially, mm-hmm. barely making ends meet, and. Uh, you know, I, I won the Bellator tournament. Um, things just started to kind of snowball. I started to make some decent dough in this game, man. And, you know, one of the truest things I've ever heard about, you know, uh, I don't know money in general is, like, it, if you have a little money, it's easy to make some money. Mm-hmm. And it it's easier, for sure, absolutely. And, I mean, that's just the truth. And, like, you know, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of fighters kind of, uh, fuck off their money, to be honest. Like, straight up, I'll just say it that way. They mm-hmm. fuck off their money. They spend it on dumb shit. <laughs> and um, especially because the truth is, a lot of us aren't ever going to make a million dollars on a payday on a fight night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mo- most of us are lucky to make 30, 40, 50 grand on fight night. And that's a good night for I mean, for most, like, you know. Right. Yeah, you know. And, you know, I've had upwards of uh, 60, 70, $80,000 paydays, but... I took that money, I dropped uh, 90K on a house, put a large large amount down, mm-hmm. um, and then I bought car washes. I bought two car washes with that money. And those are supplying my income now. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, I get paid to go up to the car wash and collect some money. And it's a good <laughs> gig, and it, allow, it allows me to uh, train full-time still. So it's, it's a really sweet gig, honestly. Well, and I, I kind of want to talk about that because watching you over the years on social media, ever since you got the car washes, seems like you've had, you know, an issue here, an issue there. You know, what's it like to be the, oh, the, yeah. the business, <laughs> people trying to steal money and everything else? So, yeah, yeah. Hilarious part is like, all right, so I'm a car wash owner and a professional fighter. But the funny thing is, uh, obviously, these people don't give a shit. Mm-mm. And I'm in a kind of a rougher part of town where my cars, car washes are at. They make great money. But they, 
I get a lot of vandalism. I, I literally walk up there and there are people shooting up fucking drugs in the in the in the stalls. Jeez. Um, I've had to clean up uh, human shit a few times. Um, let's see. Uh, people try. Like I I got an hour and a half of videotape of a guy taking a sledgehammer to the wall trying to break into the car wash. <laughs> So like those are just like a few stories, honestly. Like, uh, there's been a lot of vandalism. There's a lot of vandalism. There's a lot of, I don't know, theft stuff. That's like a guy stole my trash cans. I I remember that. That was a story and a half. Dude, but he stole them. Like, okay, so he would steal all of them. Two days later, I'd replace. You know, I'd, I'd have them all replaced by that time. He'd come steal them again. Two days later. I've replaced them already, right? He comes steal them again. I've got them on camera and stuff, but I'm like, all right, well, shit, I'm just going to have to post up at the car wash or whatever. Mm-hmm. But luckily, he had a very recognizable vehicle, and, um, you know, I, I, I own the city, basically. <laughs> these people had to, uh, I, I just sent out, you know, I was like, hey, look for this car, blah, 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 and mm-hmm. people found it. Like, straight up, they found out where this dude was at, where he lived, like, they didn't even have a license plate or nothing. They just recognized the car. And we found, and guess what? I, sh- I rolled up to their residence, mm-hmm. and all the trash cans were in their car. In the car? In the car. So, I had two choices. Beat their ass, or just call the police. I called the police. Yeah, and I remember seeing that video, and it was just like, really? Stealing my trash cans? Yeah, I was just like, yeah, I was like, shooting the video. I was like, y'all stealing my trash cans for real? And you got them sitting here in your car. Y'all are dumb. They, I mean, they said they said Rick's car wash all over it. That's the name of my car wash. <laughs> I mean, no, no caveman car wash. Cheers, sir. No, no, because as much as I uh, love the people around here, I probably have some people who are haters. Mm-hmm. And if they know it's caveman's car wash, they might come smash more shit up. <laughs> They'll be like, I can't beat him up, so I better go uh, break into his changer. So how did you get to owning car washes? Like, what what drove you? Like you said, you wanted to invest in something. How did it become car washes? So it was actually a, a sad sad way that I came upon it. Um, mm-hmm. My uh, wife, her father, uh, owned these. Okay. And he was never planning on selling them. He didn't want to sell them to us. Um, unfortunately, he, he passed away. So sorry for that. Yeah, and uh, cancer, man. It just it just ruined so many lives. Mm-hmm. But so this happened, and um, obviously they couldn't just give these car washes away. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, you can't just give something the, like what, that away. What's, what's her mother going to do? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like, hey, like these things that gave you money your entire life, oh, you're just going to give them away? I mean, they relied, she relied on the money, too. So I, I was like, all right, well, uh, how much do they make? You know, obviously, I checked out the... I made sure they made money and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, of course. But, I mean, because I'm not going to, like, buy into a bad investment. But, uh, um, yeah, so it just... It worked out. Like, I was able to buy them. And, um, yeah, it was a good deal. And I think that's really cool because you kept something in the family without just somebody going, here, take this. You know, because you see so many times that people, when they take on a family business, they don't always want to be a part of it. You know, it's given yeah, to them, and everybody yeah. looks at them differently. So I think it's really cool no, for that. Sure. 
Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, one of the problems actually that is uh, very fluent with like, I know we're like going off on a tangent on car washes, but I, like, I don't care. People <laughs> buy car washes. People buy car washes and they think they run themselves. They mm-hmm. think that they're easy to run, and there is a lot of maintenance and a lot of work. And uh, they go under a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Most people, m- most people, like they pass them down to their kids. Their kids think it's going to be easy, and they don't know how to do it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Listen, there's nothing wrong. Car wash because... life. There it is. <laughs> Coming from Dave Rickles himself. <laughs> Dave's car wash. <laughs> go get your car washed. Yep. But I think it's great because it's been said time and time again. Fighters, you guys don't have contingency plans. Like, if you don't have a contingency plan, you're done. You know, there's no commentary job that's going to pay you almost as much as you made on, you know, in the cage. There's no, you know, sponsorship deal that's going to keep you going. So I feel like you kind of have to take it in your own hands. And while... Yeah, I think that um, (laughs) fighters in general just need to... um, If you want me to be blunt, a lot of this has to do with, like, just straight up the intelligence of the fighter himself, you know what I mean? And the, and the things that they were taught as they were growing up, you know what I mean? Like, what did they do with their money before they were fighters? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I was always saving my money. I was always, like, um, there's a term for this, but I cannot definitely say it, but <laughs> I was very, like, uh, not, I, like, um, I would spend my money when I wanted to spend it, but most of the time I was saving it. Okay. You know You're I mean? frugal. So like, frugal. Like, yeah, it's frugal. So, like, I would, uh, on vacation, of course, I'm going to spend my money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to spend my money. Like, I'm on vacation. But outside of that, like, I'm pretty, uh, yeah, frugal. I like I like that. Frugal with my money. <laughs> Listen, you just gave me the strangest memory of going to California when I was a kid when my mom was travel nursing. And I found in a some random shop a Rush CD. For like five bucks, so I bought it. Other kids my age are buying toys and whatever. I'm like, I'm buying a Rush CD in California Rush. that okay. I can get yeah. that I can get back home. I'm sure. So, you still listen to that? Oh, yeah, I love it, man. That's dope. It's been a rough good, year. Man. It's been a rough year for for Rush. So, I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> so, I want to talk about the first time we actually met uh, was when you won the lightweight final. Um, that Carl Amasu, not the Carl Amasu, that's a whole other story. I'm getting off track. That's Syed Awad's story. Um, and probably yeah. one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in a fight. So, do you remember what was going through your head when he's on the ground and you're like, what are you doing? Like, what's... Dude, yeah, of course I do. Honestly, I looked up, I dropped him, I mm-hmm. look over, he's laying face down on the canvas. And I threw my hands up like this. Like, it's fucking over, dude. What do you mean? Of course it's over. You're face down on the canvas. <laughs> the rep is over here holding you up. You know what I mean? Like, the rep was down there, like, checking on him, holding his head up and shit. The rep's like, get up, yeah. get up. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's a lot. I Honestly, I don't, other than that, I just remember, like, you know, grabbing the check and being, you know, soaking up that moment, honestly, like, because that was a huge moment. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really soaked it in. And, you know, I just, my my focus after looking at Sadawan on the ground was not on Sadawan anymore. Mm-hmm. It was on, like, just enjoying that moment and, like, really, like, 
you're like, holy shit, I did this. I put I put everything I had into this tournament, and I won it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, after uh, making it to the semifinals in the welterweight tournament and being robbed by Carl Amasu, <laughs> we'll go ahead and talk about that. Oh, let's do it. Robbed by Carl Amasu. And then, you know, go, dropping down the lightweight on the next one and winning it. You know what I mean? Like, so that was huge for me. It was, um, it was crazy. It's, it's funny that you say that. So the first Bellator I went to, uh, I think it was Bellator, I want to say it was 72, when it, one of the first times I came to Tampa. And I remember I got to meet Carl Amasu. And I took, you know, the, the standard, like, pose picture. And he looks at me and he goes, why are you shaking? And I was oh, like, <laughs> and I realized that a few minutes prior, I was like, check out the pink jacket. And I said it a little bit louder than I expected oh, to. Hilarious. And he looked over at me and I went, yeah. oh, and so my friend goes to interview him and he goes, no, 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 no. You were the one making fun of my jacket. Yeah. And I went, no, that was me. Oh, I believe <laughs> it. <laughs> Not thinking. <laughs> So I'm, no. st- I'm standing there shaking. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, we were, you know, obviously I ended up losing the fight to Carl Masu, and it was extremely close. I get it was, but I beat the fucking shit out of him. <laughs> um, like, one of us came out damaged and one of us didn't. But anyway, we were there at the Carl Masu fight and showed up, and <clears throat> Joe always does this thing where... Like, he'll point out something weird about the fighter to make me, like, feel better about myself. You know what I mean? Like, like to get me hyped up. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, dude, as soon as we pulled up and we saw Carl Omsu, he was in, like, this fucking pink jacket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, I was like, bro, look at this dude's jacket. And uh, Joe was just clowning the shit out of him. And obviously that, you know, raised the spirits and whatnot. And, Joe always does this thing where he's like, he's not the guy. He's not the guy. And, um, <laughs> you know, it panned out pretty good. Outside of losing, I mean, it was a, it was a kind of standout fight because, you know, we did the fight and um, instead of, you know, the crowd. All right. So this is post-fight, obviously. Oh, okay. I walk out from the back room mm-hmm. into the crowd. The crowd stops cheering. They, they stop cheering the fight that's going on, and everyone in the crowd turns to me, and they start cheering for me. <laughs> they start cheering Caveman. This is during the main event. Oh, my God. And, dude, I, you know, I'm a young fighter. Like, this is my first tournament I've ever done, and I'm like, holy shit, this is badass. <laughs> and I'll never forget, uh, Carl Lomasu himself came up to me afterwards. He's like, you know, you won that fight, blah, blah, blah. Wow. Um, and he, he was cool as fuck, honestly. Like, I have a lot of respect for him. Um, super nice dude. He invited me to come train with him and whatnot. You know, that's how it goes down. Like, most of the time you fight, and even if you do hate each other before the fight, you're usually friends afterwards. And, I mean, like you said, that's the camaraderie that comes with it. You come in with all that aggression. You come in with all that, you know, competitive nature. Because at the end of the day, you're working to provide for your family. You're working to make a name for yourself. But at the end of the day, once that's over... You know, if someone can teach you something that you can learn from and grow better, like, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. And, you know, some people have to get in that kind of state of mind, man. Like, 
some people have to be like mad when they find it. Like, I mean, like look at the Diaz brothers, bro. <laughs> like, do you think they would go in and be like, "Hey, man, uh, nice to see you. Nice, yeah. uh, looking forward to fighting the other day," or the you know whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yo, they're not gonna do that. They're gonna fucking talk shit and they're gonna tell them these sucks and they they they're little bitches and shit. Um, and that's how they get into their fight. Like, that's that's their thing, man. Like, they really thrive off of that. For me, if I did that, I would feel fake. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I would, I would feel fake, so I couldn't do that. So I just, you know, I play my little banter. I talk a little shit, but it's mostly, like, playful. And now a word from our sponsors. Now back to the show. No, and I think for you, what you bring to the cage is perfect, you know, transition to the next thing. The walkouts. Um, yeah. I was going to play a video. I don't know if Bellator would get mad or if they're going to be some copyright thing, so I'm not going to do it. But they did a highlight of all your videos. And I remember being, you know, cage side for the dinosaur walkout. And I remember one of the, it, it was one of the cutmen or one of the production guys, he looked at me and he goes, stop what you're doing, get ready for what's about to happen. Oh, for real? And I was like, Okay, and so I remember, like, stopped looking at everything else, and I looked straight at you, and I remember you yeah. seeing seeing you come out and going, "This is the coolest shit I've ever seen." That's dope, dude. That honestly was okay. So until that moment, until I walked out with the dinosaur, I had never seen the dinosaur at all. What? So I walked up. And I'm like, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, holy shit, it's a fucking dinosaur. And uh, I'm trying not to freak out, honestly, because, you know, I'm about to walk into one of the big, at that time, very much so the biggest fight of my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there freaking the fuck out. Like, there's a dinosaur right here. And, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I just turned it on, like, and um, I was just, you know, there's times in your career when it's like you can you just tapped in, like you're really tuned in. Mm-hmm. And through that whole, you know, that's what the great thing about the tournaments are is like if you're tuned in for fight one, then you're tuned in for two and three also. Because mm-hmm. there's you know an end goal in sight. So, yeah. They're so quick. Mm-hmm. When you put these spans in between the fighters, like, it just gets you know you just you don't know where your mental your your mental frame is going to be at, mm-hmm. and truthfully that's the real that's the real deciding factor on fights, man. It's like where your mental headspace is at, like how tuned in on the fight are you, as opposed to your head elsewhere. And during those tournaments, man, like even you know even though I lost this auto wide fight, I was there, I was tuned in, I performed very well. And then the lightweight tournament, man, I was just fucking spot on, dude. I performed very well. Knocked out the striker who was knocking out everyone else. And, um, yeah, it was, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that weekend. Well, and that's that's the thing is that, like you said, I, I miss those tournaments. I, can, I know that when I first started watching them, I was like, eh, I don't really, you know, I'm not really a big fan of this. But that's what pride was. You know, the heavyweight Grand Prix, all those Grand Prix were really like, hey, watch what's happening, watch what's going on. And I really love that. And I think Bellator should bring it back the way it was because it did. And hopefully after everything kind of goes together, they will bring it back the way it used to be. You know, they call it, you know, 
I know it's like taboo the Bjorn days because that was his thing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I I uh, I really hope they do something like that again. I don't know, or somewhere does it. I know. Well, PFL does something similar, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they've got it going on, and I think I'm surprised. Um, you know, other organizations haven't really changed a lot of what they've done because of PFL. Because you know, you've got guys going to PFL. And they're making more money losing than they were winning three or four fights in the UFC. Yeah. So, and I could think of, you know, Alex Nicholson. He did the heavyweight tournament. Guy used to cut to 185. So he fought at middleweight, light heavyweight, and heavyweight. And I know when we talked, he said he made more money in three months with the PFL than he did in a year and a half with the UFC. Yeah, so... I don't know. I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about this stuff, but I'm supposed to be in this tournament coming up. What? All right. No, no, no. Please do. I mean, at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I hadn't signed the agreement and whatnot, but um, I was in full talks with PFL, and uh, I still really like to compete for them. Um, But, man, I'm just – I'm honestly in a – between – and I'm just in a weird spot because I'm I'm starting to fall in love with bare knuckle. Mm-hmm. I know I haven't done it yet, but just watching it, like I'm like, man, this is. You know, when I watch the bare knuckle, I'm like, this is badass. Like I fucking love this shit. And you know, I get that it's not for everybody. Like some people, for whatever reason, don't like it. But man, it's pure excitement from start to fucking finish. And it's brutal. That's really what I'm all about, man. And uh, what I love about uh, Dave and the way he's been running the business is also that, um, you know, it, he keeps guys around that are excited. Mm-hmm. It's just dope. It's dope to see that. It, it, it reminds me of Pride. Guys like Wanderlei, um, Rampage, obviously they were, they were winning a lot too, but, like, dude, it didn't matter how they, it, you know, you could you could hear the crowd. It did, they didn't give a shit who won or lost. Yeah. All they cared about was how, you know, how exciting and how crazy the fight was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, the people that threw down got, uh, you know, taken care of. Yeah, and well, think and, about those uh, Vanderlei fights where he, you know, the clinched knees and Rampage just bounces yeah, his head. Exactly, like, that's He got that's taken crazy. care of for just being wild as fuck. Mm-hmm. And um, I just kind of love that about Bare Knuckle and Dave Feldman. Like, um, and he took care of me. Actually, I had that canceled bout. Yeah, it was in they the gave March. Me a partial purse. They gave me a partial purse, which, as far as I'm, con- I've heard the UFC wasn't even doing that for fighters. So, um, that's pretty cool. No, and I, I can say I was not on the bare knuckle train. Um, when I, when I heard it was coming to Tampa, I said I have to at least go check it out. Um, yeah. So I remember checking it out, and I can tell you, I've watched a lot of fights. I've been there for a lot of fights. I've been really close to a fight. Hearing knuckles hit head is probably the most horrific sound I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Because Dude, it's yeah. there's nobody booing, there's nobody wooing, you know, Ric Flair, but you know, right. It was just like you said those the two minute rounds, you know the the ring itself, which, you know, Island Fights really took advantage of that when they did theirs, you know, their regular, you know, MMA fights. 
And I right. feel like it's great because there are times where people get stuck on the cage. You bounce off the ropes or you go through the ropes. There's one of two options. Yep. So um, I was there for the Bigfoot and Gonzaga fight. It's actually uh, there. It's one of those. And, dude, that was that was nasty. But some of those fights were some yeah, of the best fights. Yeah, Bigfoot got murdered, right? Mm. Yeah, it was yeah. bad. And, and and I'm going to just be blunt with this one. You know, there's a lot of people that give criticism to Bare Knuckle because they feel like they're bringing people in past their prime. Um, but. I'll, I'll give my sense on that. Go for it, yeah. And I, I from, a, from a business standpoint, you have to. Mm-hmm. You have to get whoever you can. And, and fighters right now are honestly following the money. Mm-hmm. We all fucking are. That's the real truth. And, you know, why, okay, let's say, let's say you're in your prime mm-hmm. and you're going to go to the UFC and get paid, you know, 30 and 30 or 40 and 40 or 50 and 50 mm-hmm. with, with the chance of making millions. Mm-hmm. The chance of making millions. And, of course, it's called the UFC. Yeah. We know how big that brand is. Mm-hmm. Dude. Bare Knuckle hasn't just said they haven't tapped through yet. They they have to bring in these guys to bring uh, viewers. They have to bring in these guys to get viewers to watch it. Mm-hmm. And I think once more people watch it, they might uh, get accustomed. I, I find it very eerie, eerily similar to like early UFC when people even thought that was bare, barbaric. You know what I mean? So, well, and, and back then, you know, you had Tank Abbott trying to throw people out of cages. You had fights where they were punching each other in the groin because it was legal and people tapping out. Yeah. And then, of course, there's right. Art Jimerson, the one boxing glove. One glove, baby. <laughs> but really, it was it was barbaric. And I think it's going to take a lot for Bare Knuckle to keep breaching that. But I also think, you know, putting guys in there, guys and girls, because I can tell you the women's fights in Bare Knuckle are Badass. ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure it was Delaney Owen, and I want to say it was Sheena Starr that went at, and that fight was incredible. Like, oh, the, yeah, the bare knuckle is so good, and I'm going, this was better than an MMA fight. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you know, so there's one fighter that I really love to watch in there, and uh, it's Johnny Bedford. Oh yeah, of course, so brutal Johnny Bedford, man. Fuck down, son. <laughs> You can't convince me he's not in his prime. No. When he's out of prime, dude. You know what I mean? Like, so, well, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think, I think they're doing well. Like, dude, they're picking up guys like me, uh, Johnny Bedford, Tiago Alves, I think, just signed. Um, I still want to see that, by the way. You and him. I... Oh, dude. You know what's on the list. <laughs> Actually, I want to run through Melvin Gillard first. Mm. Uh, he he's always slick talking, and I I actually like him. I I have no problems with him. He's a good guy. Uh, as far as our our interactions before, but man, he be slick talking, dude. And <laughs> I would I will happily give it to him. You know what I mean? Like I I, I owe it to him honestly. Yeah, I well, owe it to him. And that's so, the thing is that David Feldman, if you're listening, he literally you just gave him two fights in a row to do. Yeah, <laughs> like for sure. And then, you know, bringing Hector Lombard in, 
You know, like you said, Bigfoot Silva, Gonzaga. Oh, Lombard, yeah, yeah. fucking Lombard's in here. Dude, you, you, you're telling me these guys aren't still, like, I mean, it, these guys are still extremely talented. You mm. know what I mean? Like, a lot of the names you're naming are, it's not like we're 50 years old, you know what I mean? <laughs> Shannon Briggs. <clears throat> All right, that dude's lit. Yeah, but he's a heavyweight, right? Yeah, and he's, listen, no disrespect for the man. And that's the thing, I think... As this sport continues, we've seen older guys start to do really do well. well. Do well, yeah. Daniel Cormier, is, I think he's 41. Uh, it's easier for bigger guys to do mm-hmm. well. Well, yeah. So, so the biggest question there is, you know, you had, what was it, 23, 25 fights of Bellator. You had a lot. You know, you were there for nine years. 23. 23, what made you decide, you know, besides the love of Bare Knuckle, that it was time to walk away from, you know, a company that you had been bred up in, really? Because, um, I mean, when you joined Bellator, you were, what, 5-0, and 6-0? Uh, yeah, 6-0. So you were a baby. Yeah. So, a... you know, how was it a hard decision? Into to... my career with Bellator at 22-6, and six, 7 22 and 7. Hmm. So. 21-6 and 2, according to Wikipedia. But, you know, who's counting? Um, yeah, who's counting? <laughs> so, was it a tough decision to walk away from Bellator, from that family? Or was it just time to, to try something different? Um, you know, I think as far as... So, I, I became a free agent. Mm-hmm. And there was some discrepancies on where we were going to go coming forward mm-hmm. as far as, like, pay and stuff like that. And, you know, I'll never say Bellator was trying to treat me badly or anything like that, but we decided to test the open market. And um, I um, got some good offers from PFL mm-hmm. as well as uh, Bare Knuckle. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, we started talking to them, and we made our choice, and that was it, man. So, so I mean, and I, like you said, you know, I, I highly respect that you weren't like, well, Bellator didn't pay me enough money. I think fighters need to test the open market more. Yeah. I, th- I think it's something, you know, not just at the end of the day about your, your style or your, you know, fame, let's call it, but your place in mixed martial arts. You can't. You know, like they say, you can't say you're the best if you've only fought in this organization or this one. But Bellator really has done, I think, a better job than anyone else of homegrown talent. You know, and when I talk about homegrown talent, I mean yourself, Daniel Strauss. Yeah. yeah. And and putting oh, a lot no, into I that. definitely never got that AJ McKee treatment. <laughs> or any of those other guys. I mean you know, I went right into the best of the best of Bellator and honestly just happened to win and like I felt like I was getting fed to the wolves, but mm-hmm. I won the fight. So it was kind of a cool gig. But yeah, I mean I I do like that they grow fighters. I mm-hmm. really do. I genuinely like that. Um but they will and here's their problem. Is they sometimes baby fight babysit 
fighters a little bit too long. Oh, okay. Or, I mean, I think so. Um, uh, shit, who was a... Okay, for example, and sometimes I think they make poor investments. Who was the... I don't know, they had some heavyweight that got knocked out by some guy who hadn't won a fight in five years. Oh, God. Uh... Recently. You know who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Man. I don't know. Anyway, that's just my example. Was they would, they'd invest in this guy. I think he was like 6 or 7 and 0. Mm-hmm. Some guy who hasn't won a fight in five years knocked him out. And, you know, shit, obviously there's flutes. Mm-hmm. Dude, we're talking about fighting with five or four ounce gloves, excuse me. Yeah. And, you know, obviously there's flutes and stuff like that. But, man... I mean, that shit's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't know. You have to imagine that, you know, fighting and investment banking are really <laughs> closely tied in a lot more than you would think. Because, like you said, you make a bad investment, you're losing money. Yeah, for sure. No, absolutely, yeah. So. Man, I'm running super off battery. Oh, no, don't die on me. Yeah, I think we're going to have to wrap it up. All right, so we're going to call this part one. Part two, we're going to talk about being a dad and a husband. Congratulations on that. Okay. Yeah, and, let's uh, do it. Hey, I had a really good time, man. It was great to talk to you. Um, as always, you know, thanks, EpicJitsTees.com. You can see it running across the bottom. My sponsor. Uh, use promo code QUIG. Yeah, Q-U-I. Talk about. <laughs> you want, brother. All right, brother. Take it easy, and we'll go for part two next week. Hey guys, Matt Quiggins here with the Quiggin Out MMA podcast. I just wanted to take a moment and really thank each and every one of you for every time you listen to the show, every share on Facebook, every share on Twitter, word of mouth, whatever it is. I really appreciate everything you guys are doing. Just want to take a moment to give a huge shout out to my sponsor, EpicJitsTees.com for bringing my Frank and Quig design to life and designing the logo for the show. Keep in mind, if you go to EpicJitsTees.com, you can actually buy a Quiggin' Out MMA podcast show. Help support us. Help support him. Use promo code QUIGS. That's Q-U-I-G-G-S at checkout. Now for the show.